0: And hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you. Thank you for being you and for being here today. I appreciate you, and I'm glad that you're here with us. Today, I want you to stop. Stop what you're doing for just a second. And really take a minute to just breathe. Put your hand on your heart. Feel your heart beating. Feel your lungs expanding. Know that you're alive. And know that we're very, very, very glad that you exist on this planet. You are so wonderful, so special. And now is your day to stop, take a minute, do what you need to do to really, truly embrace how amazing you are. So let's think through a few things. Where were you last month, last year, five years ago, 10 years ago? What does your life look like now compared to what it looked like then? Now, there are a lot of things. You know, I was talking to my son-in-law, Bruce. Some of you may have met him. He works for our company now. And I was sharing with him, you know, it's so easy for us to do the negative. We've, We've practiced being negative. We're good at it. But sometimes it's really tough to emphasize the positive. And so when I ask you, where are you now? Where were you then? Do you see how far you've come? Do you really see it? Or did your mind immediately go to the negative? And did you um did you start saying all the things, well, you know, At the first of this year, I had made a goal for myself that I was going to lose 20 pounds or 50 or 200 or, you know, depends on if you're as big as me or not. Um, And I haven't done that yet. And so we beat ourselves up rather than looking at where have I come from? What are the good things in my life? Sure, we can pick on the things that we still need to work on. Guess what? As a human being, there is always going to be something to work on. You can always up-level from where you are to someplace even better. But you can't do that until you embrace where you are right now today. And so I'm going to ask you again. I want you to clear your mind first. Take a minute. Stop. Put your hand on your heart, feel your heart beating, feel your lungs expanding, air coming into you, realize and feel you're alive, you're present here in this moment, and now think about how far have you come since yesterday? Since last week, last month, last year, how much better are you now at certain things than you were five years, 10 years, 20 years ago? I mean, come on. There was a time in your life when you didn't know how to walk. You didn't know how to talk. You didn't know how to read and write. You didn't know how to spell. You have come a long, long way. From where you started. And now is the time. To stop emphasizing. All of the things. That you haven't gotten to yet. And just simply. Rejoice. In what has been so far. There are things for all of us to work on. There are goals. You know like I said just a few minutes ago. There's never going to be a point in your life. As a human being. That there isn't more, there isn't greater, there isn't another level. When you get five steps ahead of where you are now, there will be another five steps ahead of you. But you have to also realize in the journey that you made those five steps. You've come this far. And that is something you should celebrate. All that you've been through the things that you've survived, the things that you've overcame, the things that make you who you are right now today so that you can show up powerfully as you because nobody else can. Nobody else has had your life experiences. Nobody else has made it through the things that you've made it through. Nobody else has had your successes. Nobody else has overcome your failures. You see, you're so busy. We all are. I'm not just picking on you because I do it to myself all the time. We're so busy keeping track of our failures, but we don't take the time to realize, to see, and to embrace how far we've come. You know, for some of you, it may be family-related things. You know, maybe you have kids, and maybe they're amazing children. Maybe they're showing up powerfully and doing amazing things in this world. For others of you, as soon as I brought up your kids, you're like, oh, mm, that's a sore subject for me. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to give your heart and soul, to pour all that you are into your children. And to not, in that moment, see the return. But what I can promise you is, every single thing that you've poured into them is going to come back. It's going to reap reward. It is going to pay off a dividend. Even in those times that it doesn't feel like it, it's going to happen. And that, too, is something to rejoice You see, a lot of times we only want to rejoice the good things. We want to be happy about all the stuff we've come through and have overcame. But what about that thing that you survived through yesterday? What about the fact that you woke up this morning? I remember a long time ago, um, it was a radio show called Faith Seminar of the Air. um, And uh, I'd have to stop and think it was probably... Uh, Dobson that probably did it. Um, and I remember that he did a whole sequence for an entire month called Going on a God Hunt. And this isn't, even though I warned you at the beginning of the show, this isn't third generation Minister Steve going all pastory on you. Okay, so just relax, take a breath. But what he did was he helped people emphasize finding God, the universe, that thing that's out there that happened today. And the things that he pointed out weren't the big things. It wasn't, you know, and then somebody dropped a bag of money on top of me. I mean, we'd all love for that to happen, but let's be real. It doesn't really happen. But what he did emphasize was when you woke up this morning, was your heart beating? Were you able to still breathe? Was the sun shining? Were the birds singing? Does your wife still love you? Do you have a job? Do you have great prospects for a new job? What are the things that you can find right here next to you in your daily day-to-day life that you can rejoice about, that you can find delight and joy in right here in this moment? Not some other time, some other place, some other way, but right here where you are to go from where you've been to where you're going. That's the thing today that we want to stop, take a minute and really emphasize just how amazing, how awesome, how powerful that is that you've come this far. Because you see, until we take stock of what we've come through, how much we've accomplished, how much we've succeeded, until we can embrace that, we're then not ready to be able to take that next thing, to get that next blessing, to take that next step, to go to that next level. Because we haven't really embraced the level we're at. It'd be like, think about it for a minute. If you're climbing a mountain and you were three quarters of the way up the mountain, halfway up the mountain, you were five steps up the mountain, doesn't matter where you were on the mountain, if you were climbing a mountain and you were not on the ground, you were anywhere up that mountain, are you only focused on the peak where you could get to or do you take the time to realize where you're at because when you do you begin to see your surroundings you begin to see your environment and see the possibilities life is about that next outstretched arm that helps bring you up to the next level and then there to realize that you're at that level and then to go forward Today I want to present to you a couple of really amazing best-selling authors that are going to talk about their lives, what they've been through, and what they've learned through that, and how they've learned to really rejoice in the place that they're in. And I just encourage you to stop, take a minute, take stock of your life, and see the good, and then go on these journeys with these amazing authors as they share with you some secrets that they've learned on how you can move from where you are to an even better place, but also realize how much better the place that you've already moved to is. Does that sound like fun? I hope you're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to presenting these authors to you. We're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. So glad to have you here with us today. We want to talk to a couple of our best-selling authors and help you see where you can go from to For our first book, we want to talk about the amazing journey that Marcia goes on to go from poverty to prosperity and what that means, not just monetarily, but all the things that she learned throughout the course of that journey. I know that if you're listening, you're going to catch some really amazing things in this. Hi, Marcia. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. So, um, tell us about your new international best-selling book.
2: Oh, this this is such an awesome experience. Uh, where do I begin? Um, okay, so my story. The title of my book is "Out of the Fire: From Poverty to Prosperity," and prosperity to me does not necessarily mean just financial freedom but just being content with who I am after overcoming overwhelming obstacles in life. And I wrote this book because I wanted to give someone hope. If I could just touch one person's life and see that they don't have to stay in despair, they don't have to stay in the pit, but they can come out and be triumphant, that would mean the world to me. And so my story is basically about how I started in very humble beginnings and how I went through a lot along the way, um, the lowest of the low, and how I was able to rise above my circumstances.
1: So, um, you know, I mean, you talk about poverty, but um, I've found these days that it means so many different things for different people. Give us an idea of... Um, You know, where you started from.
2: Okay, so I was born in Montego Bay, Jamaica, which everyone knows is a third world country, a very poor country. And um, basically, when I was young, uh, we lived in a one room apartment. It was all inclusive, kitchen, bedroom, dining room. Um, The bathroom was an outdoor facility, what we call an outhouse. Um, I guess it would be like a port- pot- portable potty here. And um, so basically that was it. Um, we were in a very poor neighborhood. Um, we, I could see, we were even in the hub of things where I could see when the sailors would come into port, um, I could actually look out the window, my sister and I, and see them going after prostitutes that lived in our neighborhood. So, I mean, that was not the, best thing for children to see, but it was just a part of my life. Um, so even though we were really poor, um, we grew up in a culture where families looked out for each other. And my mom, she worked day and night trying to take us out of that situation. So oftentimes she was not home, but thankfully for us, we had neighbors who looked out for us. Um, but one of the scary things that I mentioned in my book was that we our apartment was adjoined to another apartment, which is kind of like what you would call a duplex, I guess, in the United States. And um, there was this couple who lived in that apartment, and they fought all the time. I mean, they had like physical fights. And that was just terrifying for me, because I could hear like everything, the shattering of glass, the screaming, the cursing. And so um, my childhood was very traumatic as well. You know, and, but fortunately for us, My mom was very hardworking. She taught us really good work ethics, and she was able to work her way out of that situation.
1: So here we are, flashing forward now to this current point in your life. You went to college got several degrees, and it wasn't like you were, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's important to point out, it wasn't like you were studying, you know, underwater basket weaving or something, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> you've got yeah. degrees in biochemistry and chemistry. Um, tell us a little bit about yeah. how exciting and amazing your life is now coming from, you know, that place you were at. Well, wow.
2: You know, I have to give glory to God because there's nothing that I need right now. I wouldn't say that I'm a rich, rich person in terms of finances, but I'm wealthy in terms of everything that I need. I don't have a want. I'm able to provide for my son, whatever he needs. Um, I never have to go on hungry again, which is something that I had experienced while I was in college on my own. Um You know, I I own a nice home. Um, I am fine. I'm great. You know, I've come a long way. Um, I have great friends, you know, influential people in my life. And, you know, I have to say thanks to you and your wife, you know, who have become a part of my um, life at this point in time. And uh, just, just, I have just great mentors who you know, are helping me to move forward even from here because I believe in self-development. I don't believe in staying stagnant. I don't think that this is the end. I think there's always room to grow. And so I just look forward to moving on to bigger and better things.
1: So what's a secret? I mean... It would have been really easy for you to have bought into a woe-is-me kind of attitude. What are some of the secrets that you've used to not only stay positive, but to really succeed in life?
2: Well, one thing is to definitely keep the lines of communication open with the right people. Because when I was going for my master's at one point in time, I actually did quit. I was so close to the end. All I had left was to write my thesis, and I quit. And if I would have known what I know now, I would have reached out to my advisor and talked to him, and I'm sure he could have helped me through my issues and encouraged me. So it's very important to keep, have the right people in your life, you know, people who will support you, you know, people who can lead you in the right direction. Um, Currently, I now have accountability partners too. You know, I'm part of what I call a tribe. I have many accountability partners, people who encourage me every day. And I'm not looking for people who are going to just um, always tell me what I want to hear, but tell me what I need to hear and love. And they do that. You know, I pour into them and they pour into me. Um, So it's very important to surround yourself with positive, like-minded people and learn from them and emulate them. Uh, it's very important to believe in yourself. I think it's very, very important to love yourself because I think at one point, I know at one point I did not love myself. You know, I was very disappointed in me. And I think that's why I fell into despair because I felt I was useless. I was no good. Um, you know, I, I would never get anywhere. And you have to. You have to love yourself before you can even consider um, loving anyone else. You have to embrace all that is you. Uh, something else that I do is I practice daily self-affirmations and just the spirit of gratitude. You know, I started about a month ago a, a gratitude journal where I write something that I'm thankful for every day. So that's how I start my day. So, you know, even if something quote unquote negative happens, I don't put it in the journal because it's a thankful journal, right? So basically that, that when, when I do that, it just develops the spirit of gratitude in me and I just, Um, I focus on the positive and not the negative. So, you know, those are some things that I have put into um, practice that help me.
1: So what would you say to a person who has bought into that negative? They live a life story that says, yeah, but you don't understand what I've been through. um, And it's just impossible to overcome it. What would you say to them?
2: It's never impossible. It's never too late. I mean, I went back to school and got my doctorate when I was much older. You know, um, we can all rise above our circumstances. Um, It's not good to uh, play the blame game because we're responsible for ourselves. Uh, We may fall, but we all have the choice to get back up. Um We also need, like as I said before, to surround ourselves with positive people because they're going to be naysayers who are in your life, and you have to learn to tune them out. You know there are people who are going to be enablers who they don 't see themselves going any further, so they 're going to say you 're okay when you 're not okay you know and um one thing I know i don 't like force my um religious beliefs on anyone else but I know that um, through prayer, also, you can gain strength. And I am just, you know, praying that when someone reads my book, that my lesson will become their breakthrough. It's very important to, when you have a goal, to focus on why you have that goal, why that is something that you want to accomplish, And why you need to move from where you are and uh, get your wheels in motion. You know, action is very important.
1: A good friend of mine used to always say, people would do anything if they understand why. You know, if the why is important to them. And I think that's really important that we really identify our why.
2: Exactly. That's crucial.
1: What advice would you give to a person who... Um, you know, maybe has done like what you said you did, where they were so close to the end and then they gave up and walked away from a goal. What, what advice would you have for them?
2: What advice would I have for them? Um, well, I'm going to have to be a little bit repetitive because um, as far as I'm not giving up, you know, as I said before, you have to surround yourself with the right people positive people who are actually who actually have a desire to see you succeed and people who are successful who might be where you want to go you know so you can see yourself through their eyes and see that you can make it and they'll encourage you to make it when i was in pharmacy school i had still had young children you know four of them and so you know through a blended um union and so um there was one point in time in my second year of pharmacy school, I wanted to give up because I felt like, oh my goodness, you know, my husband was in the, my ex-husband was in the military and he was gone a lot. So I was essentially functioning as a a single parent. And so I think um, it's very, very important to, to, Stay focused on your goal, not give up, and have the right people in your life because the right people in my life at that time were my study partners. And when I wanted to quit because I felt like I wasn't giving my children enough time and enough attention and I got into, like, a guilt-ridden state, they were the ones who said to me, and um, why are you here again? And I said, for my family. And they were like, exactly. So you're going to leave because of your family? That makes no sense. You need people who will give you a rude awakening. You know when you feel like giving up, or you feel discouraged.
1: The book "Out of the Fire: From Prosperity, or I'm sorry, from Poverty to Prosperity," a story of triumph by Marcia Demers. It's an amazing international best-selling book, um, and it's definitely a book you really need to pick up and read. Marcia, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Oh,
2: you're very welcome, and you have a great day.
1: For some of you that have been followers of the show for a long time and, you know, have maybe checked out on my Facebook page sometimes, you may remember that almost a year ago, it was like August of last year, I was sharing some of the journey that I've been on myself and realizing um, just how poor we were growing up. And I didn't know it, you know, to be brutally honest with you, I didn't think we were poor. Um, I look back. I can tell stories to other people, and I can, and they can be like, "Oh my gosh, no!" Um, I've never had a time when I remember going to the cupboards and there was literally no food, and if people hadn't donated food to you, you wouldn't have gotten to eat that day. You know, that's that's not normal, but I I grew up thinking it was, um, and so I was sharing the story last year, and many of you have seen it about how poor we were, and I was asking other people because I really wanted to get. You know, perspective from all kinds of different walks of life of people. How did that, uh, you know, show up in their life? And uh, my aunt, who uh, lived and worked for several years, her and my uncle and their two kids, um, in the mission field in Zimbabwe and South Africa, um, they she she posted and she said, you know, I used to always think that we were really poor growing up, and you know, my mom and her family, they they were, you know, relatively. Um, you know, poor on, especially on an American scale, they were extremely poor. Um, But my aunt, she really had a great insight. She said, you know, I used to really think we were poor. And then I went to some of these foreign countries and saw just how bad off some people had it. And I realized that I had to reevaluate my opinion of what poverty was what that meant and, and how I was really truly living, and then stop buying into that uh, message that says, I'm poor, you know, I don't have any money, I'm broke. I, uh, all those things that it's so easy for us, especially here in America, to buy into when in fact we sometimes don't see how blessed we are. To have something as simple as, uh, you know, the ability to be able to go to the grocery store and grab some milk or a carton of eggs or those kind of things. Um, And so I really do encourage you. um, One of the things that I loved in Marcia's story is she was talking about, um, you know, her level of poverty that she lived in. And I know a lot of us can't really contemplate. Maybe we've used an outhouse, you know, or maybe we've stayed in a cabin out in the woods or those kind of things. But to really live and have that be your day-to-day life. Um, But I love that she really brings it back to the prosperity that she now feels in her life has more to do with more things than just what her bank account is. That, you know, you can get the houses and you can live the great lifestyle. But prosperity is something that starts at the very bottom, at the the very beginning point of it, it's something that you have to put into your heart. And so as we're taking this hour today to really be able to contemplate who am I, where am I, what is good about where I am right now, one of the things that we need to place into our heart is a true understanding of how blessed we are. Um, I think just about anybody in a foreign country Would tell us that in the worst of our days, you know, it's probably better than most of them the best of their days. And so let's rejoice in what we do have. Rejoice while it's called today, because, you know, today is the only legal tender you have. Ernie Villanueva says it so well when he says, Yesterday is a canceled check, tomorrow's a promissory note. Today is the only day that you have to spend. Will you spend it wisely? And I hope you really will. We're going to take another quick commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this what would being a best selling author do for your business? Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.
0: Welcome back to Thriving
1: Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. So how are you doing? Did you stop Have you taken time to really take measure of where you're at? Or did you go back into work, 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 do, do, do mode? It's really easy for us. I mean, even when we have the best of intentions, sometimes our mind just starts going and we just do that. And so I'm just encouraging you. We're about halfway through the show now. Take a minute. Take that deep breath again. Reset forgive yourself if you you know went off on a whole tangent or whatever and just simply breathe and take stock of how amazing you are. Can you do that? Well next we want to talk to a best-selling author who is no stranger to overdoing it and what she learned in that and how you too can learn how to get in touch with your best self by what she advises, I really suggest to you to really pay some attention here as we talk more about soul engagement, the journey of engaging you. Are you ready to be engaged in yourself, but also find out what his purpose and power is in your life? To help us with that today, we're joined by bestselling author Veronica Simmons. Or is it Simon? It's Simon. Veronica Simon. Got to make sure we say it right. (laughs) How are you doing today, Veronica? I am
3: doing well. Thank you. How about yourself?
1: Doing good. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're just, we just feel so blessed, you know, that um, I love the title of your book, Soul Engagement. You know, it just really kind of sums up where we're at in life right now.
3: Yes, yes, yes. It was quite the experience um, getting to that point of even even, uh, defining the title. So um, definitely hope that it's engaging for others and it pulls on someone that, you know, happens to walk by and go, oh my goodness, this is like a book that I really need. Um, And prayerfully, it will pull on them from the inside out uh, and they go, you know what, they may walk by it and next thing you know, they're coming back to pick it up. And then once they pick it up and they start reading it peripherally, they'll say, you know what, I need to get this for somebody else.
1: I think uh, there's a lot of groups even that could really benefit from from walking through this journey, um, you know, and uh, that whole accountability aspect of, of walking through it with somebody else as opposed to going it alone. I think yes. that's really impactful as well. Yes, yes. So, Tell people a little bit about you and your journey this far in your life.
3: Okay, well, my name is Veronica Simon, and I am the mother of four, and my husband and I like to joke, he'll say foe, F-O, and it's like, okay, honey, let's be a little bit proper here. (laughs) It is four children. I have two girls and two boys. Um, We just recently moved to San Diego from Atlanta. Uh, We were living in Atlanta for about 22 years, Um, just decided we wanted a change. Um, My husband was senior pastor of his own church ministry out in Atlanta. We did that for about eight years. Um, And it just wanted something different. I felt like I personally had hit a ceiling um, within and I needed to get closer to the ocean. Uh, It's just something about me and water, something about me and the mountains and even the valleys. Uh, I'm really drawn into the three. And so California has always been one of my top choices. My husband used to be in the military and stationed in California. Um, we didn't meet until after the fact. But once he brought me here for one of our anniversaries, I never wanted to return uh, to Atlanta. But uh, we had business to take care of there. We did that. And when time came, when it was when it presented itself, it was like, look, it's time to go things are changing, I'm, I'm hitting the top of where I can possibly get, I need some freedom, I'm starting to feel trapped, and California is it, there's so many cliffs to jump off from, and he was like, seriously, you're thinking about jumping off a cliff? I said, it's a spiritual thing, sweetie, it wasn't, <laughs> there's no way I'm jumping off anybody's cliff voluntarily, but it was a spiritual move that I needed, um, because I was on the verge of crashing uh, from the inside out. Life was changing for me, and no matter how I tried to express that to someone, they really just couldn't see it, Uh, and it came to be that it had to be something that I dealt with internally in which he did get me to a point where I was isolated um, without having a choice. Uh, I felt like I was on the verge of possibly a mental and physical breakdown where my body actually started shutting down on itself.
1: Wow. Wow like completely for real
3: yes completely for real I was at the top of my career making over six figures a year doing well for myself Um, one of the goals that I had set for me to be able to do as an independent consultant um, in doing so I was working overly working, always wanted to be the person that people could come to and I can assist someone no matter what. Um, They would tell me what was going on with them because we did counseling as well through the ministry and I immediately wanted to see if I could find, help them to find a resolve and sometimes I would get in the way of that because it would be like, okay, you know what? You don't have to deal with that yourself. I can do it for you. I'll help you through this and then I'll just give you the plan after the fact. After I work out all the kinks, I'll do that for you. Well, it got to a point where I started blanking out, not realizing that I had blacked out. Um, It got to the point where I would leave work, Uh, travel down 285, going through Spaghetti Junction in Atlanta to get home on the other side of Stone Mountain Park. And I wouldn't remember the journey of getting from the office to home. It's like I would wake up and I'm home. No accidents, nothing. It was like, oh man, that was an easy drive. And normally that's a hard drive because Atlanta traffic can be horrific. Um, I would get in meetings and I would be the ones who normally lead the meetings in our corporate environment with developers because my background is IT management, IT development. And so I would be in those meetings and I'm very big on details and I was very good at memorizing even the smallest of details. But I would find myself talking in my head to myself going, you don't, you don't know what's going on in these meetings and people are following and I would say something and it appeared as if I were on course, but in my head, I'm going, I am so lost, but I had such a phenomenal group of teammates that we really acted like a family that they were covering for me, not really realizing that they were covering for me until it got to a point where it's like, I started having panic attacks sweating and stuff before we go to meetings just couldn't pull my thoughts and stuff together my team started recognizing that okay you're tired you're exhausted you need to take some time but I never wanted to leave them I never wanted them to be on their own I always wanted to be there to help them do whatever it was we were trying to accomplish to do Um, but it came to a point one day I was getting ready for work and I literally couldn't move I was trying to move, trying to scream. Nothing was happening. I wasn't audible. My body wasn't even responding. Um, My daughter came in to check on me, and it was as if I was just in so much pain, but I couldn't express that to her, and all I had was tears in my eyes, and she was like, Mom, what's going on with you? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I couldn't even respond. I couldn't respond. Her, Her dad was at work. And it was just her with me and my mom was downstairs and I'm the full caregiver of my mom, um, who is a fourth stroke survivor. And so, um, she just sat with me. It took a minute. I started praying in my head, Lord, please, please just give me strength, help me to get whatever. It felt like something was sitting on me and I, and I just couldn't move. A couple of moments went by and then finally I was able to get up. But when I got up, all I could do was throw up and I just constantly threw up, constantly balled over in pain and got to the bathroom and I just couldn't move from there. She called her dad and her dad um, came home early and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't seem to move from this spot. They tried to give me something to drink. I couldn't, nothing would stay within my system. It's like I couldn't really get anything in. I really couldn't get anything out other than constantly throwing up. And it got to a point where he says, we've got to take you to the hospital. And I refused. I didn't want to leave because I knew that if they took me, that they were going to keep me. And there was just so much that was undone from a work perspective, wanting to make sure that I took care of my team, gave them a plan. If I was going to have to be out, I needed to formalize a plan for them to help them. I needed to, you know, let other clients know that I would be out for a little while. I needed to put things in order while I didn't have time for any of that. Um, went downstairs and I said, okay, well, let me let me go ahead and fix something for the family to eat. Then my daughter asked, my youngest daughter asked, well, mom, are you sure you're going to fix me something to eat? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I got this. Went in there to try to do that. Passed out in the kitchen while trying to cook. And it scared her so bad. And even my husband, because he was sitting down watching television. And I felt as if I bounced right back up. And he's saying, no, we helped you to get up. I gained my composure and we sat on the couch and he says, you've got to go to the hospital. You do realize that, right? I'm like, no, just give me tonight. It's late. They're going to keep me, you know, I need, there's some things I need to do um, before we go to the hospital. He called a family meeting. All of the kids came into the room and my mom came out of her room and they talked to me and told me how they felt. And it scared me more for them to share how they were feeling versus what I was feeling that I really couldn't explain. And so my kids went upstairs and they packed a bag for me and my husband took me to the hospital. And that began my journey of isolation where they ran several different tests and tried to figure out what was going on. And so that became my cycle of being on the personal journey of engaging myself.
1: And because people have to read the book in order to hear the whole story, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, we'll give them a little taste. Um, What, of all the things you've learned, what would you say is the biggest thing you learned you had to change in order to not just have that cycle repeat over and over again?
3: I would say the biggest thing that I learned that I had to change was my own perception. On what I felt I needed to be or had to be for other people, versus what he intended me to be and needed me to be, from the very design of who he created me to be, um, we have a we have this thing of wanting to please and satisfy everyone else. You know, we're built somewhat that way of wanting to please but the people that we want to please more so is anything or those around us are better yet when we're in a professional environment we want to prove that we can we can do a phenomenal job we are worthy of being promoted to get to here there or wherever it is that we desire we want be that person you come to and you can rely on and know that we're going to get the job done. Same with our family. I want you to know that I'm going to be able to supply for you. I want you to know that nobody's going to love you the way that I love you. But then we forego loving ourselves and spending that one-on-one time that we really need to spend with the source itself. And for me, my source is Christ. And I just would think that because I find or call myself a good-natured person that anything I would do that's good, surely he's in it with me. But that which I define to be a good thing is not necessarily what he's defining for me to be a good thing that he's even called me to engage in.
1: I think that's so important, too, because I think we tend to Look inside of ourself for the answer rather than realizing that we were created for a purpose, you know, and that it's bigger than something that we just can go inside and figure out on our own. Right. That's why I love the title so much, you know, soul engagement, because we do need to engage with our soul and take that inner journey. But I love the fact that you mix into there the fact that it's, you know, Hey, you gotta go back to the person who created you in order to understand what, when the heck was that created for to begin with?
3: Right. That's what your purpose is. I mean, that's how you identify what your purpose. He gives us an opportunity to reset on a, I, anytime that we need it, but most times it's like we feel like oh, I can't go back to square one, I'm too far gone, I need to keep moving. Well, you know, one day you may just hit a roadblock. For me, it was like psh, someone snatched everything from me, and I'm going, Are you kidding? What did I do to deserve that? I thought I was doing everything right, I'm going to church. I'm a pastor's wife. I have nonprofit stuff going on. I'm volunteering in the community consistently. I give of myself steadily. You know, I give of what I get. I'm not selfish by far, or am I? And then I had to go, Lord, am I? is this me being selfish? How are we defining that? Because I'm feeling like I do, I do, I do, and I'm giving, 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 and I never ask for anything in return. Because that's what I was always taught, never to ask for anything in return. And then I felt as if he said to me, Veronica, what have you done for yourself, though? You're not taking care of yourself. If you're constantly pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and you don't allow to be poured into, what are you doing? You're giving out an emptiness. There is not even a fullness right there. So how do you get to the point of even thinking of doing an overflow?
1: And I think that's a really good tip to give to people is, is that, um, you know, I, I love this statement that Lisa Nichols makes, um, you know, we steal a lot of phrases from Lisa because she comes up with a lot of great ones, yes, She does. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, and one of them that she says is it's hard to share your light with the world. If you can't keep your own lights on, Amen. you know, and that has a very practical, you know, paying your electrical bill. But it also has to do with that light that's inside of us. And, um, you know, it needs internal energy as well. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right.
3: If you want more, then you've got to give more. you got to invest more. You know, a lot of us, we go from, oh, you know what? I want more of my investment. I pay into this. I want for this, for your personal journey. If you truly want more, then you've got to give him more. you got to put in the time. And a lot of times we will make up the excuses, oh, my goodness, I don't have time. My time is taken. My calendar is booked. I don't have any time in the day. You want to make time for this. You really do. Because it's the only way that you truly can pay that internal light bill to keep that switch on. And, and one of my things that came out of this was I tell people all the time, you've got to learn how to flip your switch. Right now, your light is flickering. You need to change that wattage or you need to change, check the wiring that you got going on because something is just not right. And if you hit a blackout to a point, you may not have an opportunity to flip a switch again. That may just be the end.
1: And I think that's why it's so important for us to learn to engage with our soul. The book is called Soul Engagement. It is a personal journey that uh, Veronica takes us on, but it also is a workbook that you can work through um, over 40 days to really be able to learn how to engage your own soul too. Uh, Veronica, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today about this amazing book. Thank you. I have a question for you, and I really want you to think about this one while we're on this next commercial break. When does giving it your all not serve you? When are the times when you'd be better off to take a break? Maybe even take a nap. Oh, man, doesn't that sound wonderful sometimes? Uh, I don't know about you, but I could take one right now if I wanted to. <laughs> if, you know, if I wasn't in the middle of the radio show. But you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's okay to just detach, to just step back. And do something good for you. You know, the old saying, self-care is not selfish. I hear a lot of people say it, and then they run off and they do things that aren't taking care of themselves. And I really encourage you, spend your time today valuing you. Do what's important. Give yourself credit for how amazing you are. Take a minute during this next break and just really allow your soul to engage and to be happy where you are, who you are, and to give your credit, yourself credit for how amazing you are. We'll be right back here on thriving entrepreneur. Youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.
0: Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome back. Hey, you know what? You are freaking awesome. And I know sometimes you don't give yourself credit for just how amazing you are. You have told yourself stories that aren't true. And I'm here today to challenge those because I want you to know you're the bomb. So take a minute one last time here and stop. Breathe. Know that no matter how it may feel right this minute, the feelings are the caboose of the train. The reality is there's nobody on this world, nobody on the whole entire planet, no one anywhere in the universe that is like you. You totally and absolutely have a purpose, a plan, a place in this world. And we're all better when we all do what we were meant to do. So I just really encourage you thank you for taking the time today to stop in your tracks. Stop that negative, that stinking thinking and really take the time to cherish yourself. I mean, if you don't like yourself, who's going to? I remember and I say it all the time now, but I remember one time somebody said you liked your own Facebook post. It's like if I don't like my stuff, why should I expect anybody else to? And it really is true you need to be the one to like you because when you begin to give yourself the love, you can have that soul engagement. You can move from poverty to prosperity, real prosperity, where your life, where your whole existence is prosperous. It's not about dollars in the bank account as much as living an amazing, great life. And you can do that, but it starts by loving yourself. And then there's another piece to that. And that piece has to do with the fact that we were all meant to give. I love this phrase. I've heard Susie and Lisa use it all the time, but I've heard it other places too. And it's this, your message was never meant for you. Your life, in fact, was never meant for you. It's for the people that you were meant to serve. We're all put on this earth to enrich the earth, the people around us. And now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't love yourself. You need to engage with your own soul so that you can be that valued piece of existence Because we need you. And so as you now have taken the time to stop and really evaluate what's good about me, and you've began to really embrace that, now what you need to do is you need to share it. We always wait too long for things. We're like, you know, well, when I get to this next level, then I'm going to write my book. You know, 81% of people say that they want to write a book and only 5% of them all ever do. And the reason is because we have so many sexy excuses for why next year, next week, next month, whatever, it'll be better. If I just do one more edit, if I just, you know, get to this next level in my business, if I can get a better relationship with my spouse, whatever the reasons are, they sound great. But the truth of the matter is, is right now somebody's Googling for the solution that's something that you do so easily that you probably discount that you even know how to do it. It's one of those kind of things that you just assume everybody knows how to do. And yet that thing that's so easy for you, there are people that are struggling with it right now. And so what we need to do, each one of us, is share our story. And that's what we love to do at Best Sellers Guild. We invite you to come join us. It's a free group, bestsellersguild.com. Takes you to our Facebook group, gives you the opportunity to join in with us for free. And you can watch the workshop. Kathy is constantly doing the Write Your Book in One Hour workshop that is just chucked full of amazing stuff. We've had people that have written multiple books just from that workshop And then, of course, there's other ways you can engage with us, too. It all starts by you joining us at bestsellersguild.com. And when you do that, then you can take that first step in embracing how amazing you are. Because you need to know, oh, I want you to know this. You are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. The world needs you. Please know that Kathy and I are here to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Embrace the best version of yourself and share it with the world. And we'll do the same as we all live our lives together as thriving entrepreneurs. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. We'll see you next time. Catch the other episodes. And until then, have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time.
1: youthrive.com. Check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.